So I basically have a cool but potentially violent drug addict going through some sort of withdrawal. What horrible physical and mental breakdown did you go through where your life has been reduced to plain bingo? Playing bingo? Playing bingo? Hey, welcome to the Bitterest Pills Dan class. I'm in my garage, as always, under the fly path. At Los Angeles International Airport, welcome uh, to the podcast. This is a podcast. Welcome to it. Um, how have you been? I'm checking, uh, you know, it's Friday. It's Friday here in Los Angeles again. I'm at that age and I, I don't want to say what age I am. I just turned a new age. I'm still, as much as I have a year to prepare for each age and then it comes and then part of me is really very, who gives a crap about it, to tell you the truth. And the part of me is just in denial. You know what I'm saying? But I'm definitely at that age where, um, the days and weeks and months are very short and that's horribly depressing uh, and distressing because every time I turn around, it's Friday again and not a week's worth of stuff has honestly gotten done. You know what I mean? It's Friday again. I'm not ready for the weekend. I, I'm, I need this to be maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. It's already Friday. What happened? And I actually read somewhere that someone else published a paper that was exactly in line with my theory of uh, time relativity. And maybe this isn't something, you know, maybe this is something people have known forever, right? But I've always been very aware of the fact that when you're a kid, summer seemed like it was forever. And then when you're an adult, summer seems like it takes about 10 seconds. And the reason is, so when you're a kid, and let's say you're five years old, a summer is like what? A tenth of your whole life? No, I'm no math genius, but it, I, you know, I'm I'm deep into middle age. So to me, a summer is a tiny fraction of my entire life. So relatively speaking, a summer is very short. Where to a five-year-old, summer is like feels like a quarter of their life. So I'm de- I can't even imagine what it's like to be in your seventies. You must literally wake up, have lunch, and go to bed. At least that, that must be what it feels like. Now, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but it's weird that I, I guess this is all, maybe this is all just coming together in my head. So I use this app slash website slash I don't even know what called. Um, you can always tell when I haven't prepared for something because I have to really like actually legitimately think about something. Uh, I think it might be called nextdoor.com or nextdoorneighbor.com or something like that. I don't know, but it's an app where, you know, you sign up to be on a mailing list with people in your area that you don't necessarily know. And you guys can chat about all the potholes. You know what I mean? You can complain about the potholes and whose neighbor is whose and what dogs are barking too much and who's we're getting robbed and all that stuff. And usually that's what it is. Usually it's, you know, uh, my, my neighbor who lives on 74th street had their car broken into, uh, by, a you know what I want to say and um, or people are stealing see I don't know do you live in a metropolitan area see if you don't if you live in kind of what I consider normal America you probably have a mailbox at the end of your driveway and when you want to mail something you go to the end of your driveway you put some stuff in the mailbox 
some stamped correspondence. You shut the mailbox, you put up the flag, and you walk away. And then the mailman comes and he gets it, right? Well, what happens here, and this is a frequent topic of discussion on my nextdoorneighbor.com thing, whatever it is, is uh, here in this neighborhood in Westchester under the flight path, Los Angeles International Airport, what you do is you, you have your mail that needs to go out. You take your mail. You don't have an outward, outbound system at home. Because we just have these little mail slots that are built into our houses, right? So you can put mail in it, and it goes directly into the house. But, I mean, I guess you could probably paperclip or binder clip stuff to your mailbox slot or something. Just nobody does that. I don't think. I've never seen it. I don't think anyone do it. You're supposed to take it to a mailbox. So this is what you do. You, you stamp your envelopes. You take them to the mailbox. You put them in the mailbox. Now, some jackass, some thieving hound has already put um, glue stick inside the mailbox. And I'm talking about normal blue mailbox. You know, a mailbox, a public post office department mailbox, the kind that's cemented to the ground. The blue normal USPS whatever thing, right? Some guy, sorry ladies, I'm not going to include you in this. Some human, okay, ladies, you want equality? Here you go. Some male or female comes along puts glue stick on the inside of the mailbox. So when you put your letters in, they get stuck to the glue stick. Then they go through your, they, they take your letters out, they go through them, they take out all the checks and try to cash them. God bless America. So there's a lot of stuff like that. And then, and then recently there was, I wonder how long this tangent is going to be. This could be half the show. So so half of the correspondence lately, or maybe it was actually last weekend or the weekend before, was was a, like people talking about the senior center. There's a senior, the senior, I live in Westchester. It's called Westchester, right? The Westchester Senior Center. Now, I have, I, I don't, I don't know what they're talking about. I feel like I've been everywhere. I even know like there's sort of this semi-hidden adult education area. It looks like bunkers at the very edge of the airport property. So I, I but it's not there because that's the you, right. They would call that the adult education thing. So it turns out that the um, the senior center is that building next to the library. See, there's an area where they built the new library. And then next to that is the councilman's offices and some sort of office like government type office in this cool kind of mid-century modern weird ass looking building that I actually kind of love. But then, and then there's a parking lot. And then in the parking lot is a bunch of homeless people that sleep in their cars, or there used to be. And then there was some sort of fence or gate or a wall or something. And then over that wall, I don't know what was going on. But there was some building. So recently, and this is too much information. You don't really need to know all this about Westchester. And, and I, I understand that. Unless you live in San Francisco and your employer, you're in some tech field and your employer is trying to get you to move to quote unquote Silicon Beach. You could end up living here with me, Dan Class, your humble host in Westchester. Well, it turns, so if you move here, you, so what they did is they took down this wall between the library parking lot and whatever that building was. And now all the homeless people left. I don't know if they were like romantically attached to having that wall there. It was kind of a concealed thing. Now it's this big open space. Well, it turns out that building that kind of looks like a beige pizza hut is the senior center. 
Now, do you remember Pizza Hut? Like when they used to make freestanding Pizza Huts? All the old Pizza Huts here in Los Angeles are now Thai restaurants. They make the shape for some reason translates well, I think, into Thai restaurants. I don't know what it is about Taiwanese. Taiwanese? No, that's not right. Thailandese? Thailander? I don't know what it is about the architecture where Thai food comes from. But apparently it is in some sort of sync with um, Pizza Hut. So that's the senior center. Now, um, so, so, so there were all these emails in this email thing, the next door thing, about the senior center, senior center. And we want to get more things going to the senior center, and it's such a great opportunity. There's a stage in there, and there's a big room, like a thing, and there's a kitchen in there, and there's this, and they're really making it sound like a nice thing, you know? I'm like, holy cow. So I've lived in Westchester for uh, 15 years. That senior center thing has been there. Now, granted, when we moved here, I think I was, what would I have been, 36, 7, whatever it is? I don't even know. All I know is I was not looking to go to the senior center. And still, 15 years later, not really looking to go to the senior center. What I am looking for, though, is I do want to know where all the stages are <laughs> in the area. I, I am very curious about stages. Now, Westchester does have a small number of stages. Uh, I assume there's one at the elementary school. Z, plural, although I have no desire to go in there because uh, I don't want to go in an elementary school, right? Same goes for the middle school, Orville Wright. I know th these names. I know it literally is called Orville Wright Middle School. It, it apparently is a hellhole. I don't want to go in there. Then the high school has an auditorium, obviously. Now, I was in there about 10 years ago for a dance recital or something that my daughter had, right? Okay, so the high school's got a stage. Then there's the local uh, community theater group. The Kentwood Players, they have a stage, and I've been in there, so I know all about that. Someday when I'm an actual senior citizen, this which will never come because I'll never be able to retire because I'll never have a pension and have money in the bank because of, because, because I don't even, the, the list is too long. Anyway, let's not get into that. I've seen that, but I did not know that there's this random stage apparently at the senior center. And they're talking about um, having art exhibits at the senior center, like all this stuff at the senior center. And all these people keep saying that they want to participate in the senior center. And I look at their pictures on net, net, next door net, neighbor net, dot com or whatever it is. And they look, you know, a older than me, but not old. They just look older. And one of the, and another kind of thread that keeps running through this whole thing is, and I know this about people as they get older, older pe people that you think are old do not consider themselves old. And they certainly do not want to hang out with elderly people. So my, like, for instance, my mother-in-law, God love her, 89 years old, she's constantly talking about old people as if that is a group into which she does not fit. Because no one is the age they, they are. Everyone is in denial about the fact that they're aging. We all are about 17 or 21 or 30, and that's about it. Then you're done. And then your body just continues to degrade and fall apart. But everybody's so excited about this senior center. And I'm like, hey, you know, I was trying to 
put together these acting classes, these stand-up comedy workshops, help people maybe uh, with their public speaking. I can speak publicly, right? I don't like to talk on the phone, but I'll talk on a stage forever. I don't want to sit and chat with five people, right? But we can have a one-on-one or I'll be, right? I'll give a presentation to your room of 3,000 people. I don't care. So I'm very excited about learning about this stage area and all these activities that are going on. And then I find out that according to the senior center, seniors start at the age of 50. So when they keep saying that they want to get young seniors in there, they're talking about people who are 50 and older. I am in a certain amount of denial about the fact, to me, 50 seems really not old. So the fact that 50-year-olds can go to the senior center for free gentle yoga on Wednesdays at 8 in the morning is unnerving to me to the nth degree. But I'm not, uh, I'm, I, I need to increase my income. I need to get some things going. I do want to still do these stand-up things, and these acting workshops, whatever. So I do have to get my butt over there. And I need to check out the senior center and see what's going on. So, you know, because here's the thing. If the senior center is owned by the parks department, maybe I can get the stage for cheapy cheap because it's owned by the city. I don't think that's particularly illogical logic, right? So... So the other day, so so I've had a lot going on recently. Now, you know, before I was sick and now I'm not sick, but then the kids had all these doctor appointments. And I apparently am embroiled in what has turned into a legal battle that we're not going to discuss this week. It is going to be maybe the story of the year, the way this is panning out so far. And I don't want to say more than that. And I, I hate it when, when other people do this on their podcast. I hate it when I do it on, on my podcast. I'm telling you, I'm going to do my best today. But the one the one about the legal, I just don't know. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to show them. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to say anything until the thing is resolved, I think. Although I might just break down. Who knows? Someone might upset me. And I might just run in here and record the whole story. I'm telling you, there's there's intrigue. There's suspense, there's a court battle, there's crimes against humanity. There, it's it's going to be a roller coaster. But that's what I've been, I feel like I've been suffering, suffocating in that. That and just kind of looking at our checking account balance and wondering how we're going <laughs> to, I mean, I can write the checks. I just don't, right? I don't know. And that's why I was so hot to like, get money that told me that led to this whole other story. So, so finally there was some, something happened one of those days this week where I finally felt like I wasn't being, uh, suffocated by the, by the mental gymnastics that I was going through with this other story from the upcoming show, right? This, the, the legal thing. And I had to go, I went to the bank or something, maybe that, you know, I think that's what it was. I ch- like I was looking at literally I guess maybe it was Wednesday or something. I was looking at our checking account and I'm wondering, you know, I have to write some big checks here. The end of the month is coming 
and so we got tuitions and mortgages and car like everything right you right maybe you've never had that feeling i am having that feeling just where we are right now i'm not happy about it but that's where right and i'm like please please i need to the mail to come and i need for there to be a check in the mail and that's going to make everything so much better and thankfully a check came in the mail for my phillips fiber gummies commercial and if you haven't seen that it is an acting tour de force on my part definitely the most embarrassing commercial i've ever been in no offense to anyone involved i just I, you know i want to be cool and hip and i'm an idiot i'm a bald little <laughs> you know i went i went to an audition yesterday and i saw these guys going in i was like oh shit they're all like they all look so professional and everything. They got their suit coats on. I'd forgotten my suit coat and everything. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to look, you know, I shaved and all that stuff. And I go in and I'm like, oh, shoot, that's right. I'm I'm not the cool office guy with the suit jacket on. I'm the moron in the spot. I'm like comedy man. I forgot that I'm like bald and have glasses. And oh, yeah, I'm the comic relief uh, crap. So this check comes. In the Nick of time this check comes so i take the check i get the, literally get the check open the check see the check endorse the check put the account number on the check drive the check to wells fargo throw it in the bank and i it's a sigh of relief and something about having that weight lifted i felt like i had the strength to force myself past whatever my normal hesitation is and go to the senior center once and for all see if what I think is the senior center actually is the senior center and then check out the senior center and see if there really is a stage in there and see if I can use this stage. So I go over to what I think is the senior center and I park in the parking lot of the library where all the homeless people used to live in their cars. Now, again, I don't know what's happened to all the homeless people, although what has become very popular here in L.A., and I, I get it, because I've considered doing this every time my wife and I have an argument. Every time my wife and I have a major argument, my my thought is what I should do is go to some shitty used RV place, buy an RV that looks like the one Walter White was cooking meth in, park it under an underpass, and just live in it. That is a, And as it turns out, and I realize I got that idea because it's a very popular thing to do here, this area in particular seems to be filling at an alarming rate with old, old, broken down RVs that people are living in on the sides of the, any street that has infrequent street sweeping. So I go over to the building, the one that looks like a beige pizza hut. And the weird thing about this building, what's always thrown me off and what made me think that it would, couldn't possibly be a senior, like I don't know what I thought it was. Because it has no windows. So clearly, there are no humans in that building. It can't possibly... The senior center has to be somewhere else. The senior center must be over near the swimming pool. Now, the swimming pool is further south on Lincoln, over kind of near where they have the farmer's market. It's got to be over there somewhere because the right people go there. This pizza thing is a windowless... I, I, I don't know what. It has such a high ceiling and a rooftop. I, I can't imagine why they would need that much clearance to just store the lawnmowers. But that's what I have always assumed because there's no 
windows at all. So I, so there is an open door. And then all the way around, there's no windows. But that open door is what I feel like is in the back, not the front. I'm kind of looking for the front. I assume the front, since it's not facing the parking lot, it must be facing the main road. So I leave that open door and I walk around. Again, no more doors, no windows. I go to the other side, the side on Lincoln Boulevard, the main busy street. And across the street is the hipster bowling alley they're building and the grocery store and the hipster hotel and the art school, Otis College of Art. Like it's turned my my crappy unhip neighborhood is turning into like tech hipster land. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I go to the other side of the senior center and it because it does. Right. I do discover it does have. A sign that must, uh, please, Lord, tell me this sign was made in uh, the 1950s. Because it's one of those signs that looks like it's made out of wood. And someone very carefully carved the words into it, Westchester Senior Center. And then, you know, kind of painted the whole thing brown and then painted the letters gold. But it definitely has that sort of like, we love Davy Crockett, howdy doody era look to it. And everything else in the area seems to sort of have been updated, except for now what I realize is the senior center. So I keep walking and there's some sort of window on the other corner that has almost like a, I don't know what you call it, like a security fence thing on it. Okay, so the oh, there are windows. You can't see through them, and they have steel-reinforced caging on the outside. Clearly, there's something very valuable in the senior center at night that no one wants stolen. I, I can't even imagine. I finally find a door. Now, the only way I know it's the door that I think I maybe should go in, there may have been a little piece of paper on there stuck on there and small letters said entrance or something. I don't recall. This door that I'm talking about is a different color than the other doors I did eventually see. There are, as it turns out, beige doors in the beige building. I don't even remember if the doors had handles now that I say this. I think they were exit doors only. This is the weirdest I know. But there is this sort of what used to be kind of a nice color of deep turquoise aquamarine door. And I, I feel like I have to look in there because all these people on the website, the next door neighbor website, they keep acting like this is an awesome thing that we need to make even more awesome. And we're going to make this is like one of the things we're going to do to really improve our community. Right. And so I very gingerly open the door and I don't I don't know what you're picturing I'd, I'd love to know right now so here, you're picturing me and I'm opening the door and I look inside but what do you think I see like I really didn't know what to expect I semi expected obviously either an entryway or an office or something I, 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 don't, I honestly don't what I opened it up to was a fairly large gymnasium sized room with probably 30 or 40 
87-year-old men and women silently playing bingo. Shocking. Now, one of the things that I find the absolute weirdest about old people is this. Now, as I said, I'm, I'm middle-aged, old, I'm getting old. I'm in, my, I'm in my 50s. I was born in the 1960s, okay? I got to move the microphone because we got to talk. I got to lean back for this because this is deep. It's not deep at all. It's not deep at all. In the 1960s, I had grandparents and great-grandparents or whatever, and old people had a certain style and a certain look about them. They dressed a certain way, Right? And then young people were young and hip and they moved around and they had fashion and everything. But there was just kind of this generalized, prototypical old man, old lady look. And then, you you know, you're you're 10 years old, then you're 20 years old, you're 30 years old. Things when You're always around old people in different contexts, right? Have you ever thought that old people still look the same? as they did when you were a kid? They do, right? They they seem to dress, in essence, the same way, which is like crap. Now, I know they're old and they're tired, parts of their body hurt, I get that, but there is this weird thing. So I go in the senior center and I see all these 87-year-old people, these 70-year-old people, whatever, they're older than my parents, or I assume, because my parents do not look that bad. But I think to myself, these people were young in the 40s and 50s, and they look exactly like the people that were old when I was young, that were young in the 20s, in the 10s. Why do old people, why is there, and, and the only reason I bring this up, and I don't bring this up to be mean to old people, I bring this up out of fear. Because every once in a while, I will catch, because when I look in the mirror, I'm very careful. I have a very certain, right? You do that too. You put your chin in a certain spot, you kind of keep, right? You've got this little bit of angle thing you go, and you figure out what is that sweet spot that makes you look as young as possible. That reminds you as much as possible of your former self. You know you do that. Of course you do. But then every once in a while, right, you'll be walking out. Because this is what I did. This happened to me this morning. I'm walking down the street. Now, today I was walking down the street with my beautiful daughter. In the beginning, the prime of her life. And I look to my right and I catch my reflection in a store window. And I think, oh, my God, who is the old man holding hands with Tulu? I look like I looked when I dressed up as an old man to go to a Halloween party in 1991. And that's scary. It's really scary. I'm afraid that no matter what, we all turn into the same old people. We all look like crap and we smell old. And we're happy playing bingo. When am I going to be happy? What happened in your life? What did you do for a living, for hobbies? What kind of family situation did you have? What horrible physical and mental breakdown did you go through where your life has been reduced to playing bingo? 
I'm going to take myself out. There's no way. There's no way that I could sit day after day in a windowless senior center that really should be a pizza hut playing slow motion bingo. There's no music on. The lighting is just horrible, fluorescent lighting. The air is still, the smell is just the smell of 40 different dying people. So I, I ask a woman if there's a schedule. Now listen, I'm trying to get over my social, I have, I have certain weird social anxieties. And I don't know why, but I do. Some, if I'm not in full Dan mode, like character mode, so to speak, like confident Dan comedian actor mode or whatever, I just don't want to, do, I just don't. Do, I ha do we have to talk about anything? So it was monumental that I went in, right? Really, my inclination was just to look in the door, see those people playing bingo, B, 27, you know what I mean? And run back to my Mazda. But I actually got up the whatever. I went in there and there was a lady in there. And I said to the lady, hey, do you have a, hi, 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 uh, do you have a schedule? When I used to come into these situations, I usually, I used to feel like, like the young, polite man. And now I feel like the young for a senior citizen man asking for a schedule. Because I, 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 I probably appear because I'm over 50. I'm not at the senior center asking for a schedule necessarily for someone else. There's no irony to what I'm doing. So I'm trying to act really professional like I'm separate, like I'm different, like I am there. I'm trying to make it clear through all my body language and my youthful movements of my hands and feet that I'm not there to sit and play bingo, man. I'm not here to see a show. I'm here to put on a show because I'm still living. So I asked this lady, who was not a young person, for a schedule. She gives me one. She's a very nice lady. She shows me around everything. Because I said, oh, you know, and the neighborhood.com thing or whatever it is. And shows, and I, I know Tai Chi guys, and, uh, you know, acting in school and class. Da, 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 da. Now, there is a stage in the senior center. The senior center, the, the bulk of the senior center is this big gymnasium room, right? And right inside the door, I didn't notice when I first opened the door, is an old school billiard table, probably not that dissimilar, although I didn't investigate it because I was so kind of like, Argh. actually not that dissimilar to the old school Brunswick pool table that we talked about last time when I went on some weird, bizarre tangent about my old basement. But like old school, big, not rich people basement style, like real pool table style pool table, like the kind of pool table that a guy old enough to be at a senior center wants to see. So that's at the door end. At the other end is the stage. And I got to admit, something about that stage and everything's been insanely weird until this point, right? Until I see the stage, this has just been like the weirdest thing with a windowless beige and the wooden uh, sign and the cage on the window and opening up the door and just like 
there's just this eternal game of bingo going on and eventually it just is your turn to sit down. You know what I mean? It's been weird. But I see the stage and there's just something about that stage is so cute and inviting and kind of retro in a hip way. It was weird. Because it's wood. It's just nice shellacked, whatever they call that, bleach wood like you'd expect for most of it. It's kind of, you know, it's a gymnasium style California school style stage so it's not a stage like you built a theater it's like you built a multi-purpose room and put a stage in it right so it's that kind of stage but it's one of those stages that almost feels like it'd be perfect for a Wes Anderson movie because the stage is all framed out there's probably a flagpole on the floor with the American flag on it next to the stage. There's a podium next to the stage with the crest of the city on it. There's a disco ball hanging from the center of the stage in line with the edge of the stage. A disco, a disco ball. There's curtains in the back that are just like have little like stars sewn into them or something and turquoise accenting somewhere I don't I don't even remember all I know is like this is the hokiest hippest cutest little stage how can I get my hands on this stage I want this stage and the lady's showing me the lights and of course to work the lights there's not exactly a guy in a booth somewhere <laughs> controlling a state-of-the-art system she's basically flipping circuit breakers on and off and light bulbs are going on that are in like Home Depot style sockets that are in, uh, on the ceiling of the stage on I, right whatever I get it so I eventually so she shows me everything she shows me because they apparently someone did just sink a bunch of money into the senior center and even though it looks really weird on the outside and you'd never want to go in there if you were under the age of about 87 someone sunk some money into it and so now there's this new kitchen with these new like f- uh it's that fake-looking stone type stuff. I, I can't even think of what it's called. It kind of looks... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But, you know, it's brand brand new cabinets, brand new sinks, brand new countertops. The The old uh, reading room has been painted and carpeted. There's new furniture in there or whatever. It's like this whole thing, man. So then I end up talking to a, this younger woman who seems to be the boss. Of course, I wasn't smart enough to get her business card or anything so I don't know her name or her title I don't know anything but she's telling me a little bit about it and it of course so what I don't realize is because it's a senior center and because it's owned by the state or the city or whatever and because it's for seniors who are notoriously old the senior center closes at 5 p.m. so if you want to do anything at the senior center after 5 p.m. you have to pay to have people there keeping the place open you probably union card carrying facilities coordinators or managers or security guys or whatever it is so she tells me with what it costs to rent the stage and the first thing out of her mouth was something about five hundred dollars and i thought to myself there's no way that i'm bringing people here and paying five hundred dollars where I have to convince people to come into the senior center, which looks like it should have been demolished 25 years ago? No. So for me to use that stage, I'm going to have to put on a show for the seniors for free 
during the day, what kind of show could I possibly put on, coordinate, orchestrate, right? I mean, I guess that's why they get children to go into old age homes, because like, okay, kids, we're going to teach you some songs from the Depression, and you're going to go sing them to the aged, okay? Because I'm not going to go in there with my kind of post-Lenny Bruce ideas about humor and put on any kind of comedy show, unless unless I, like, right? Figure out which of my friends can memorize some sort of vaudeville act or something. I don't know. Do a magic show? Do I know any little kids that do magic? We'll see. We'll just, we'll see. And I don't know if my fear of aging and getting old and being in the bingo death pool waiting room, I, it may all be connected to, the, to this. So... A couple weeks ago, I was sick. I told you I was sick. I, I got bronchitis or whatever it is that I get. There's this thing I get. See, you, when a cold is going around, you know how a cold go around, especially if you're a parent, colds go around. When you get a cold, when they're going around, you get a cold, right? So when you get a cold, your nose uh, becomes uh, stuffy or runny or something. You have to sneeze. You have to blow your nose. Maybe you cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe uh, you're very tired and run down. Like uh, all that happens to me too. Now, being a man, it happens uh, worse than it would a woman because men are uh, babies. True, I, I get it. I, I, I okay, I, I get it. So when I get a cold, though, I get, and, and we're going to talk about uh, you know, uh, phlegm for a while here. So just kind of prepare yourself right now. The the topic of phlegm is here. And if you can't deal with it, then I'll, I'll talk to you next week. I get a stuffy nose or runny nose or whatever it is. I get super tired. But, and I have to get biologically graphic for a, a moment. Physiologically specific. Okay? And I'm sure we've talked about this many times before. But it needs repeating just for a moment. And I'll try to be delicate in, in that way. When my body produces mucus, or whatever you want to call that, that for a normal person would come out there, the end would come out the nostril. For me, a lot of the time, it doesn't go that direction. It gets produced, but then it goes backwards and ends up in my throat towards my lung area into the lungs okay so it, it creates this situation where I cannot blow out all of the whatever it is that's being produced and production it, it was at an all-time high so production's at an all-time high and we're not instead of shipping out what we're producing like a normal factory would we're just stockpiling everything in the back room and so what happens is this creates pressure on my lungs and I can't breathe. And I lose my voice and all I do is <clears throat> clear <clears throat> my throat all the time because I can't breathe and I need an expectorant and CPR and all this other stuff. And so then I'm dealing with trying to clear out the, the storeroom. 
The storeroom does not want to be cleared. The storeroom is for storage and it wants to store. Whatever it gets, it wants to keep it. And so this will go on for days and days. And at a certain point, it starts to grind my entire system to just some sort of halt. I'm on so much medication trying to stop production that I'm not sleeping properly. Production will not stop. Storing Storage will not stop. All right, hold on. I got a phone call. We're back. So eventually... And this is just a cycle. This is just what happens. This is just what happens, and this is just what happened just a couple weeks ago, right? So eventually it gets to the point where I can't, my body cannot kick it on its own. So uh, so I get to a point where i barely functioning as a, a human being anymore, and my wife will say, do you, you probably need to go see uh, the doctor. Now, depending on what day of the week it is where we finally get to that point where I decide I need to go to the doctor and get something, um, either I'll go to the doctor or maybe it's a weekend or maybe I'm sick or maybe who knows, you know, too sick to drive over there, whatever. So this time, Melissa said, listen, I'm, do you, I'm just going to call the doctor and ask him if he can give you the prescription he normally gives you because you could do this every year. I'm like, oh, maybe just stop talking. I need to sleep. You know, that kind of thing. So she calls the doctor. Doctor uh, gives us a prescription for, he used to give me antibiotics and then some kind of inhaler, but obviously I wasn't going to his office. He used to give me this sample inhaler of, I bet they don't even make it anymore. I can't even think of the name of it. But but anyway, so so I, I get these antibiotics. And it's one of those, you know, where you take them for, like you take two the first day and then you take one a day for five days or six days or whatever, a CPAC or something. I don't know. The, the term CPAC kept coming up at a certain point. And we'll get to that in a moment. So so I, I got antibiotics. So that's the good news because, listen, the antibiotics are going to kick the ass of the production system and the production will finally cease and then I'll be able to get better, right? Please? Because all this is happening if I remember correctly, in concert with the beginning of school, the kids are going back to school. Summer is ending. My daughter is starting the seventh grade. That's surreal. My son is starting his junior year of high. Yeah, Hudson. Remember little Hudson from the Bitterest Pill podcast? Do you remember? Do you remember back in the early days of podcasting? There was this show called The Bitterest Pill. And at the beginning of every show, this little boy would say, my daddy may now make it. You remember that? Do you remember that show? You remember that little kid? He's six feet tall and he's 16 and a half years old and he was starting school and while all this is going on and I have to drive the kids around I'm sick as a dog and I told you our schedule the new schedule sick as a dog is that Hudson has this honors biology class in the zero block or whatever they call it at Wild Winds which starts at 6 55 in the morning so I have to wake up Get him up. At that time, I was getting him fed. He doesn't even bother eating breakfast anymore. It's just like, forget it. But at the beginning, just out of habit, we were getting, I would get him up, feed him. We would drive over there and drop him off in Santa Monica by uh, 6.50. Then I would drive home. While I was gone, Melissa would have gotten Tulu up, given her some breakfast. I come in pack up lunch and a snack and a water bottle and then typically I would then drive our daughter to school oh yeah it's great 
I do more before 8.15 than I really want to do all day, especially with the factory churning away. So I'm so happy to have these antibiotics. So about the third day of this or so, let's say it's the third day, maybe the fourth day of this. I think it was on a Thursday. I get up, I get Hudson ready, I drive him up to school, I come back, I take my antibiotic. I'd forgotten to take it that morning. I was taking it in the morning, so I take the antibiotic. I still feel like crap, but I, you know, I'm, I'm still optimistic. I pick up to Now, one thing I'm noticing is that my fingertips, and maybe it's just that I'm not, I'm not sleeping enough. You know what I mean? I'm sleeping on the couch because I don't want to keep my wife up. I'm not sleeping well. My fingertips are a little, uh, you know, just a little bit numb, right? But I don't think much of it because I'm very busy because it's the morning. I'm very busy. So I drive my daughter to school. And as I'm driving home, I think to myself, you know, not only are my fingertips kind of just feeling kind of mushy. My lips are feeling kind of, meh. My, my lips are kind of tingly too. Ah, God, that's so weird. My lips are tingly. My fingers or tips are kind of numbish. Tingly. And I'm going to tell you something. My field of vision seems a little more narrow. That's just so weird. So I go in the house. I get home. I get in the house. And my wife is on her way out to go for a jog or a run or workout, whatever you want to call whatever you want to call the weird ass thing she does for exercise. That's what she's doing. So I, um, I'm like, God, this is, this is, I just feel weird. I got to lie down. So I lie down and I think I immediately fall asleep because the next thing I know she's returning and it's probably 45 minutes later. That's how long she does her thing. She goes out. She does whatever she does in the neighborhood. I don't want to look. She comes back 45 minutes later. That's what she does. So 45 minutes go by like that. I must have just, wow, right? So she comes home and she says, listen, you still look like crap. And you don't seem to be getting any better. And I said, yeah, in fact, in my fingertips and my lips and everything. And she says, you need to call. You need to go see the doctor. Don't call him and just call him. Go see the doctor. And I said, okay, I will, because it's kind of weird. I just feel like I'm I'm not sleepy, tired, but I feel just like a weird kind of like I'm going to pass out or something. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? It's just like weird. It's just weird. I feel weird, and I'm going to call the doctor. So she goes and she showers and is getting ready for work. And I call the doctor. And I say to the doctor's office, listen, I, okay, Dr. Sue gave me my antibiotics, okay? I've been taking them for three days or whatever it has been. And I feel weird. I don't know if I'm having a reaction to the pills or what. I've had reactions to other pills in the past. Not an allergic reaction, but just some what I call, doctors always correct me, it was, that's not a allergic reaction, that's a specific thing. But I think, I don't know what's going on, I really would like to just see the doctor, he can see that I'm not getting better. She says, when can you be here? So, I'm feeling tired, so I go, I sit down at our dining room table, and I sit down where I normally sit, on the side that I normally sit. I normally sit on the side of the dining room table that's facing the living room with my back to the wall. 
not because I'm paranoid to have my back to the wall like I'm a, you know, gunslinger. That's just my spot for dinner is on that side of the table, okay? So I'm sitting at the dining room table against, you know, over there against the wall. And um, she says, well, can you be here by 1130? And I look at the clock and the clock says about 930. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I can be there by 1130. And I don't know, maybe I'll, I I probably should shower. I haven't showered yet, but I bet if I jump in the shower now, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'm feeling like crap, man. We're having this whole conversation. So I'm getting a little like, oh God. So I'm like, yeah, I'll be there at 1130. That's great. Uh, I'll be there. Yeah. Okay, great. Bye. And I hang up the phone. And I hear my wife in the bathroom getting ready to dry her hair or whatever she's doing in there. And I yelled at Melissa, hey, Melissa, Melissa. And she's, yeah. And I say, I'm about to pass out. I'm going to pass out right now. You need to come in here right now, please. So she comes bursting in the room and she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm about to pass out. I don't know why, but it's happening right now because as I say this my field of vision is narrowing and there's something in my body that says yeah buddy you're going out you're going out right now now I'm sitting I'm not you know like you know how sometimes you've been lying down for a long time and then you get up really fast and you have that weird like feeling it was kind of like that except I hadn't just stood up I was just sitting there and I, my body kind of instinctively knew, Hey, you know, that feeling that you're having, it's not going to ebb. It's going to keep going until you're out. So make arrangements now, buddy. So my wife comes in and she's like, well, you should lie down on the floor. You should lie down on the floor. I'm like, I know I agree, but I can't lie down on the floor right now because I thinking, I don't know how to lie down on the floor right now because I'm going to pass out right now. And halfway through lying down, I'm going to pass out and I'm, I'm, I'm between the dining room table and the wall and I'm going to split my head open. So let me just think about this for just a second. And she's like, but you got to lie down. You got to lie down. I'm like, I know. So I get up. I sort of walk lower myself to the floor and I'm saying to Melissa, you need to get something for me to throw up in. I don't feel nauseous, but I do feel like my body is going to evacuate everything. And I don't really want to get into detail about the other end, but that's going to evac too. There's something going on right now. And everything that's in my body is going to come out of my body in about 10 seconds. I don't know why. So I'm barking out, not orders, but like orders. Just like, okay, honey, I need something to throw up in. I'm going to position the fan. Please turn it on. I don't know where the remote control is for the fan. And then I'm taking off my shirt. I'm taking off my shirt. I'm going, okay, my antibiotics are on the pass-through in the bathroom or in the uh, kitchen. Please grab those. I'm going to be passed out within a couple of seconds. They'll want to know what I've been taking. My car keys and my money clip, they're in the other room. I left them in there when I changed my pants. We've got about 10 more seconds. I'm taking off my pants at this point. Okay, I'm feeling a little better. Oh my God, I'm, now I'm lying on the cold hardwood floor. Just waiting. Not really knowing if I'm about to die. Just pass out. If I pass out, how long am I going to be passed out? If I die, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. 
And it wasn't like I was afraid I was going to die or that I was having some neurotic reaction like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone save me. It was just, hey, listen, everything's going black and you're going to evacuate your bowels. This has never happened before from a, just a normal seated position in broad daylight. You could be dying. Who knows? I never quite touched black. My ability to strip off my clothes, I think, saved me from just going flat out. Black, and that's it. Now, somewhere in this whole process, Melissa's saying, should I call someone? Who should I call? Who should I call? Like, I'm the person to answer that question at this moment. I'm busy passing out. I'm not, I don't really have the facilities to evaluate the situation in that way. But at some point in there, we agree that she's going to call 911 because, again, we don't know what's happening. I'm not in any pain. I don't believe I have, I'm having a heart attack. I'm just dying or passing out or something. So I lie on the floor and wait for the paramedics in my underwear. And the only thing I can think about is Gene. Gene was the guy that used to live next door. Gene was a very, very elderly friend of mine who lived next door for years. And as his age advanced and his health deteriorated, Every once in a while, the paramedics would come and take him off to the hospital. In the broad daylight, especially, when those sirens get that close to the house, they were for Gene. And now they're for me. So the paramedics show up, and they're like a comedy team that isn't funny. So they're obviously asking me a bunch of questions. I, of course, go into comedy mode because I want to assure these guys that I'm not a baby and that I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. I'm lying in my living room, actually half in the living room, half in the dining room in my boxer briefs, but I am fine and I need to joke around with you because I'm fine. So they immediately start putting all those sticky things on me, those little electrode sticky things, right? All over my body, all over my chest, my arms, they're taking my pulse, my blood pressure, all that stuff, right? And everything seems to be, you know, fairly normal. I think they even take my blood sugar at some point because I keep trying to explain to them, listen, I'm pretty sure it's just I'm hypoglycemic. I haven't been sleeping, but I didn't eat until a couple of minutes ago. I've been up since like 5.30 or whatever it is. And they're kind of double teaming me. One guy's like reading all the meters and the other guy's just sort of standing over me with the electronic clipboard asking me my name my age my social he wants my insurance information you know what i mean he's like in charge of uh, st statistics so once we finally evaluate that i'm not dead or dying they decide it's time for me to sit up which okay so we sit me up i still feel fine my field of vision seems better. My fingers and lips uh, are better. Everything's better. I'm shocked. A little rattled, that's for sure, because, again, doesn't really happen every day that I just suddenly strip and black out, right? 
Well, they start pressuring me to go to the hospital. More specifically, they keep pressuring me to let them drive me to the nearest hospital. And because this is new territory, Melissa and I don't really know what to do. Now, in hindsight, it was our call. And in hindsight, we could have just called my doctor, Ron Sue, and talked to Ron. But she's in a bit of a panic because this is happening. And I'm in a bit of a panic because this is happening. And they're putting a bit of a pressure on us. So our resistance is a little down. So I end up getting in the back of the ambulance. Or not even ambulance, what do you call it? But you know, the paramedics truck, the fire truck that's for the paramedics. So next thing you know, they're wheeling up that gurney thing to my front door. So I, I ask Melissa to get me some clothes. Now, my idea of get me some clothes would have been like a pair of jeans and a shirt that I would normally wear. I don't even remember if she, she got me like gym shorts and a button-up shirt that I never... It's like a shirt I keep around in case I have an audition for someone that, I don't know what, is homeless or something. Now, I can't even button the shirt all the way because I have all these electrodes on me, so I come out of the house in these shorts, no no pants, no socks, and the neighbor lady standing next door, who's this lovely little lady, she's the mom of the woman who owns the house, the husband and wife, right? She's the wife's mother, She lives in Florida, but she comes and stays with them every once in a while. She's this lovely little Asian lady who kept making me food. She makes me food from whatever kind of country they come from, food. She made me this delicious, oh my God, what was it? It was pork, some sort of spicy uh, cashew pork or something. I don't know what it was. It was so good. And then I, I came, I went over there and I gave her back the dish and I said, oh, thank you so much. I'm sorry it took me so long, but I haven't been feeling well. So so then a couple of days later, of course, the paramedics are dragging me out of the house with electrodes on and I look at them like, hey, good morning. I told you I wasn't feeling well. But to put you in the paramedic truck, you can't just stand in the paramedic truck, which I would have been more than comfortable doing. And again, at this point, like for some reason, some weird neurotic slash self-preservationatory whatever thing in me is like, Dan, do whatever you need to do to seem young and capable <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this weird, I'm not weak, I'm strong, I'm not sick, I'm healthy reaction. It was so bizarre. because And it wasn't conscious. It wasn't like, I don't want these guys to think I'm a puss. It was just the mode that I went into for whatever reason. But yeah, they made me sit in the gurney thing. It was like a stretcher, you know, like a, yeah, like a gurney stretcher thing. But they sit you up and then they put you in the back of the thing and then they take the long way to the hospital. Why he got on the freeway to go to the little hospital in the marina when he could do, whatever, I, I guess, you know, not my call. They're asking me questions most of the way there. The same questions they asked in the house. I get to the hospital, I meet another guy, I guess he's an orderly, he asks me my name, he asks me the same question, what happened, how you f- feeling now, oh, you're hypoglycemic, when did you last eat, I see, da 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 this whole battery of questions. Then they get me off the gurney thing that was in the paramedics van, and they put me in a bed. 
and they put me in a bed next to a homeless drug addict. Okay? Now, I can never see the guy. I never get a good look at the guy. But there is this weird, prototypical, stereotypical street addict voice that this guy had. It's amazing. There is this burnt out but cool guy surf like beach beach drug addict burnt voice thing so i'm in there waiting for someone else to come and ask me the same questions and he's over there and they're they're talking to him and they're saying well you know the last time you were here you got violent and you started hitting everyone. You're not going to get violent on us, are you now? And he's like, no, man, I'm not going to get violent on you, okay? I just need my methadone. But they t- cut me off of my assistance, man, and I was just trying to get home. And I just wasn't feeling well, man. So, you know, so I basically have a cool but potentially violent drug addict going through some sort of withdrawal what, two and a half feet from me? Just because there's a curtain between us doesn't mean we're really in different quote-unquote rooms. You keep calling them rooms. This is four people in a room with curtains between us. Let's not get too comfortable with the semantic spin that we're putting on this situation. Okay? Drug-addled Spicoli homeless guy over there could go off at any second and stab me with an IV. All I can see of the attic guy is his shoes and pants, and he has better sneakers on than I do, which I'm very resentful of. It always makes me upset when, a, like, a guy, like, right, he's, he's there, he's got no, right, he, he's, like, at rock bottom, they're treating him like crap, and he has cooler clothes than me. It's like when you are when you see a homeless guy who's got really awesome hair, and he's begging, you know what I mean? Like, maybe those are just, like, jerk reactions that I have, but being a little angry bald man something about homeless guys asking me for money when they have such cool hair if your hair is that cool you could do anything you're tall and thin and you have good hair go take over the world so my wife catches up with us and she looks worried but I can't tell if she's worried about me or the fact that she's missing work because we've definitely gotten this point in our relationship where honestly we could easily be mistaken for just sort of like disgruntled co-workers so she you know she's clutching her purse and she's offering to get me things like water and whatnot but it's just clearly her relationship is not the same as it was when we were in our 20s when we were in our 20s and i had to go to the hospital for like a an ulcer I felt like she was there. This thing, she's just like, uh, you know, let me know when this is done and I'll drive you home. So she's texting. She's conducting business. She's looking around for someone to get us out of there. The guy in the bed next was like, yeah, man, listen, I just, you know, I, I yeah, I'm going to just leave, man. Okay. I feel fine. I'm going to just go because I'm fine. 
listen, my benefits were taken away, okay, assistants told me that I had to report to my probation officer, and that is not happening, okay, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna check out against your medical advice, I'm totally doing that, because that's what I'm doing, okay, so please. Another nurse comes in, asks me the same questions. Asks me the same questions. We're there for what, an hour, two hours, three hours? I don't even know. I've completely lost track of time. I'm not keeping track of time, so I don't get mad about how long we've been there. Finally, then a doc- someone comes in and says, I'm a doctor. What happened? And I, at this point, have been there so long, I literally look her in the eye and go, do you guys never speak to one another ever? I've answered these questions 50 times. Isn't someone writing any of this down? She's like, well, just, you know, ha, ha, ha. I'm a good-natured ER nurse. Listen, you can say anything you want to me. I'm used to dealing with guys like the guy that used to be next to you. So you got nothing on me. So she just sort of smiles and asks me what happened. I tell her, listen, I haven't been sleeping much. I have to get up super early to take my son to school. Pretty sure that's what happened. I didn't eat. I took the antibiotics. I passed out. Well, I almost passed out. Hey, listen, doc, I got an idea. I've been here for three or four hours. No one has offered me food. And so far, I've told five people that I'm hypoglycemic. Could someone bring me a zone bar oh do you want to eat something yeah well do you want me to bring you some juice yeah sure because juice doctor would make me feel awesome for 10 seconds and then for the next four hours i would want to stab you no i do not want juice so melissa's like i'll get i'll i'll go there's a snack thing i'll go I'll find you something. Can he eat his own bar? Yes. He can eat his own bar. Why? Because you keep offering him jello. You uh, he's a hypogl- he needs protein. You're offering him jello and juice. So eventually a woman comes to take my chest x-ray. She asks me the same questions again. And I just I I gave up. I'm being held captive. And I gave up because at some point in here, Melissa gets a chance to call our normal doctor, superstar internist, Ron Sue. And Ron says, yeah, I wish you guys had called me. This is not that abnormal a situation when you're kind of going through this process. He just needs some sleep. It's a shame you guys went down there because they're going to charge you for all this stuff and they're going to keep you there for hours. But... Tell him I hope he feels better and if he needs me to give me a call. Because Ronsu is awesome. And the ER sucks. So that's the Bitter's Pill. Thank you for listening. Uh, Yeah, there was nothing. They didn't find anything wrong with me. 
ever at all. I feel fine. It's never happened again. Although I should say no. You know what I, I didn't say? Is as the doctor is grilling me, the doctor, and as I'm telling, she's like, well, how do you feel now? And I say, literally, doctor, right now, I feel like I'm about to pass out again. I feel the walls caving in right now. Could you test whatever you need to test right now? Because here I go. But I didn't go. It didn't happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And we didn't tell the kids. We haven't told the kids. The kids don't know anything about this. Maybe Hudson, I don't know if he looks at this website. He'll see the photo I posted of my... You know, I did one of those photos. You know, you know when women go to the beach or they sit by the pool and they take those photos of their thighs, poolside, their tan thighs. I took a tan thigh picture of myself in the paramedics van. And then there's one that I'll probably put next to it that's me in my bed at the hospital. So, so ridiculous. Because that's, that's my priority. As I'm sitting in the hospital, I'm thinking, you know, this is like a good image for the podcast. Anyway, thanks for downloading again. And thank you, of course, to uh, all of you for listening and all of you, especially who uh, support the show on Patreon. I really appreciate every single penny goes towards the show and keeping it afloat. And I thank you very much. This show is supported by all of the patron, Patreon patrons. Uh, patrons like Rob. You know what, Rob? I don't even know how to... I've, Rob and I have been corresponding for years now. I don't actually know how to pronounce Rob's name. Is it Usedin? 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 Used, Usedin, we have a problem. You've never heard that before. All right, let's start again. Ready? <laughs> uh, Rob Usedin, Mr. Dave Jackson, the legendary Dave Jackson of the uh, School of Podcasting. Mike Hamilton, uh, Harold Goldner, Flores, Tom Carroll, David, Chase and Gerard Cortinez, Chris Class, and uh, Scott Mercer. And I don't see on my list, there were there was one other person that I th- was just about at the I get a t-shirt phase. I don't see that name on here right now. Shoot, I don't remember who that was. I'll have to figure that out. Anyway, so listen, thank you and, and thank all of you. I would give you a shout out, but it would uh, upset the others. So, interesting. Any thanks for, thanks for listening. So next week, we will maybe talk about what I've been doing this week. Again, intrigue, arguments, text messages flying back and forth, legal ease, news reports of crimes committed, trigger warnings. Oh, it's going it, it to it's gonna be, uh, yeah. I don't, but it might not be next week because it's got to, it's got to shake out. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to shake out. Do you understand? But I do know this and I will say this. It's not slander if it's true. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Bitterest Pill.
The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 